Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, but welcome once again. We are in a series entitled Rooted, Rooted. And uh, we've been talking about what it is that we as Christ followers, as Christians, uh, some things that we should be rooted in. And so on day one, we talked about the most important one, which was being rooted in God. How many of you guys think that's important if you're a Christ follower? Five of you, all right. The rest of you, go back, watch the message. Super important to be rooted in God. And, uh, and we talked about the importance of that and what that means to be rooted in God. And then last week, Pastor Katie preached an amazing message on being rooted in community. And uh, we launched our small groups. Now, if you're just checking out Canvas Church, uh, don't worry. Just because we launched them last week doesn't mean you can't get involved today. Matter of fact, it's real easy to get involved. You just got to go to the info center. Matter of fact, you might actually get, uh, you know, confronted by somebody as you walk out. Say, hey, do you want to get involved in my small group? All right. Um, they're not weird. They just want you to be a part of the community, all right? And uh, so you can get signed up by going to the Info Center or uh, by texting that cool number, once again, 858-943-2221, texting the word groups, and it brings up all of our groups, and you can check those out. Uh, But today, I want to talk to you on the idea of being rooted in church, rooted in church. What does this word rooted mean? Uh, It means to be firmly implanted firmly implanted. So when we're talking about these different ideas of being rooted, rooted in God, it means to be firmly planted or implanted into God. Talked about last week being firmly implanted into community, uh, a group of people that can help keep you accountable to the promises of God as, as well as the, uh, you know, the purposes of God that he has for your life. And so today I want to talk to you about being firmly implanted or rooted in Church, And so turn with me in your Bibles or just simply turn your Bible on and go to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Uh, Psalm is an Old Testament book of the Bible, uh, most of them being written as songs or poems. And we're going to read the 92nd one. And it's a really awesome one that King David, one of the great kings of Israel, wrote. And uh, he wrote this. And you need to understand why he was writing it and what he was thinking about as he wrote it. And so as he wrote Psalm 92, he's actually thinking about the Sabbath, okay? And he's thinking about the people coming together on the Sabbath to celebrate. Now, you're sitting out there wondering, what in the world is Sabbath? Great question. Sabbath, if we could just modernize that, that's today, all right? He's talking about church, okay? So when he writes this, he's thinking about what we know now modern time as the church, all right? And so this is what he writes in Psalm 92, We're going to read the whole thing, and we're going to highlight just two specific verses. Psalm 92, David now, the great king of Israel, writing as he thinks about the Sabbath day. Verse 1, he says, it's good to praise Yahweh. Amen. That's what we did this morning, right? Now, it's not the only way we praise Yahweh. The Bible talks about in Romans, that, which is a New Testament book, it talks about that we praise God, Yahweh being God, that we praise God by the way we live our life. But another way that we praise God is the Bible talks about is, is, is like we did here. Now, a little different. Let's read on. It is good to praise Yahweh, to sing praise to your name most high, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night with a ten-string harp and the music of a lyre. Okay? Now, that's not I'm a liar. That's an instrument. Okay? Um, now listen, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that our instruments have, have progressed over time. Nothing, any harp players out there? 
No, any liars out there? And I mean instrument players, because all of you would probably raise your hand if we met the other one, all right? No, in, okay, none of us. I, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that Tom could probably crush any instrument. But to see him on a, on a harp right here, 10 string, come on, somebody, are you with me? I don't know about you, but I'm glad that our, our, our music has come a little ways, and we got the piano, we got the guitars, we got the drums. And I really, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what a liar is, but it's an instrument of some sort. Verse 4. It says, for you have made me rejoice, Lord, by what you have done. Amen. I will shout for joy because of the works of your hands. How magnificent are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. A stupid person does not know. Now, I would like to pause there and just preach that part of the verse, right? A stupid person does not know, okay? But we won't. We'll move on. We'll preach that another time. A fool does not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be eternally destroyed. But you, Lord, are excellent forever. For indeed, Lord, your enemies, indeed, your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have lifted up my horn like that of a wild ox. I have been anointed with oil my eyes look down on my enemies. My ears hear evildoers when they attack me. Now, up until that point, what is taking place is David is talking about, man, as he's thinking about the Sabbath, he's literally thinking about praising God. And so that's why he pens that first part. He's talking about, God, I praise you. God, I magnify you. Because you know what? Evildoers, they think they flourish. But God, I know that, that a person that's right with you and what happens. And so he's thankful that he is a part of the kingdom of God. And he's praising and he's worshiping him. Now listen to verses 12 through 15. Now it talks about where he is rooted. Verse 12, the righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Why? Verse 13, planted in the house of the Lord. They thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in their old age. And all the old people said? Okay, nobody else wanted to admit they were old. All right. Notice I didn't say amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they will still bear fruit in their old age, healthy and green, to declare the Lord is just. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. What a powerful psalm. want to camp out today on, on, on 12 through 13. Let me read it again. The righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They thrive in the courts of our God. They, they will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green. Amen? The Bible says planted in the house of the Lord. What is the house of the Lord? Let me read you this verse. I, I can't remember if it's on the screens or not, but you can write it down. What is, what is the house of the Lord? 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us what the house of the Lord is. It says, I write, and this is Paul, one of the great apostles, New Testament writer, and he writes to his son Timothy. He says, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Listen to it now. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church. 
the church, the church. So when David is writing about the house of the Lord, he is literally referring to, now he's not talking about a building, he's talking about the gathering together of the people, and when you're planted in that, when you're planted in the church, the group of people, listen to what happens, you thrive, you grow, and you bear fruit. Amen? You thrive and you grow and you bear fruit. So now as we get into this today, for the next few moments, I don't want you to think about this auditorium. I don't want you to think about maybe you have kids and you drop your kids off in the classroom or maybe you have young people and they went to their their youth class. I don't want you to think about a building. I want you to begin to think about what makes up the church. And the church is made up of people. And so when David was writing this, he was not thinking about a facility. He was thinking about all the people that he would be worshiping with. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would speak to every single one of us. That, Lord, we would learn today. We would grow today. And, Lord, we walk out of here with a greater understanding of the purpose that you have for our life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The righteous, man, they thrive. They flourish. They bear fruit where, when they are planted in the house of the Lord, which we know now is the church, the church once again not being a building, but being the people, being the people. Uh, Over the last couple weeks, um, I started to get back on track, and I started going to the gym again. Come on. Not that I needed to mention anything. It's pretty obvious. But um, I started going back to the gym, and there's one thing about the gym um, that there's a couple interesting things about the gym, but one of the things about getting in a routine, man, once you go a couple times, it's like you don't want to miss it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like church. Once you've gone four consecutive weeks, come on, somebody, you don't want to miss it, right? And so now I'm back into this routine, and, and I'm enjoying it, and I got my workout routine going, and I, I just feel better. I feel more healthy. I feel stronger, although I'm clearly not because I'm lifting the same amount of weight I did two weeks ago, but I'm, I'm making progress, all right? But there's some interesting things about the gym, and, and you can tell why people go to the gym, okay? You can tell the people that go there to get a workout in, right, because they're actually working out, okay? Yeah. You can also tell the people that are just there to kind of just, it's like their community, like my wife talked about last week. They're not even there to work out. They're there just to talk to people and socialize with people, right? I remember uh, last week, I went into the gym, and I just started my workout, and this guy walked in and walked over to where another group of guys was, and he started talking to them. And uh, I finished, you know, that set, and I'm done with that set and that machine, and so I, I go on to the next one, I look over, and he's still talking to them. And, and he has a towel around. He has his water bottle in his hand, right? He's got the workout gear on, you know? And so then I finish that one. I look, he's still talking to them. And then I go to the next set. And, and the guys he's talking to, now mind you, they're working out, right? Okay? But he's just standing around holding his towel. Every once in a while goes and pats his fake sweat off his forehead. Come on, somebody, right? I might even, he might even splash himself with some water. But um, I get, and literally, I get done with like a 50-minute workout, and the guy has not moved. He has not stopped talking, and he has not lifted a thing, all right? Now, I don't know if anybody has informed him of this, but just walking into the gym is not going to get you in shape. Are you with me? Okay? Just because he's got the gear on, just because he's got the towel, just because he's got the water bottle, just because he's hanging around other guys that are working out doesn't mean he's going to get in shape. Are you with me? Okay? And it's funny because you see this happen all the time that people come in and and whatnot, but here's the thing. There is going to be no transformation in him. There's going to be no change in him until he begins to exercise. Are you with me? Okay? 
Because just because, and I work out at Choose, just because it says Choose Fitness on, on, on the building, okay, and I walk into the building, does nothing for me. It's actually what's inside of the building, are you with me, that I begin to utilize that begins to strengthen me, okay? When David is writing and he uses these, the, this great imagery about the church, he says a couple of things that we need to recognize and we need to see because if we miss this, we could just be like the guy at the gym and walk in on a Sunday morning, hang out with some people that are worshiping Jesus. Well, we could have our cup of coffee in our hand. Come on, somebody, from the coffee cart, right? We, we, we could have even a Bible in our hand, okay? But it is not until we actually begin to get implanted in church that something begins to change in our lives, Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. Okay? It's, it's, it's not just coming into a place that transforms you. It's what you do when you're in the place that begins to transform you. Okay? The church. The church. I wrote this down this week, and I, I saw it somewhere else, and I thought it was so good. The church. A place where hearts are healed. Amen? A place where you can come in hurt and broken and find healing. The church. A place where thinking is stretched. Right? Your thought process, the way you thought about something when you walked in, you might think differently. The church where priorities are realigned. Priorities are realigned. The reality is, is that, that as we go throughout our week, our priorities become less and less about God and more and more about us or just trying to make it. When we come into a place like this and our thinking is stretched and our hearts are healed, we begin to realign our priorities once again. The church, a place where faith is inspired. The church, a place where the supernatural can happen. David, man, he was so excited when he penned Psalm 92 as he thought about the Sabbath day or the church gathering, and he begins to mention some things. And right off the bat, he says this. He said, the righteous are like, the righteous, the righteous. What, is it, what does it mean to be righteous? It simply means this. To be righteous means to be in right standing with God and in right standing with others. 2 Corinthians 5.21 uh, would tell us that we, those that have, are following Jesus, those that call ourselves Christians, that, that we have now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that we can now stand before God in right standing because of what Jesus did on the cross. Okay? So what he did on the cross, nothing I did, everything Jesus did, now I can be in right standing with God. I can go to God without any weight, any sin. I can come humbly and yet boldly before the throne of mercy and grace. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. And so when, when David writes this, he understands he's writing something very specific. He didn't say people that are playing. He said the righteous, the righteous thrive. The righteous thrive. How do we become righteous? We become righteous because of what he's done, not because of anything we've done. We're in right standing with God because of the grace of God, because of all that he has done and continues to do for us. But it's not just right standing with God. Righteous means to also be in right standing with one another. And I'll be honest with you, I think the second one is harder sometimes. To receive the grace of Jesus Christ, acknowledge, man, I blew it, man, I sinned, man, I, man, thank you, Jesus, for the grace extended me on the cross, man, thank you for forgiveness, thank you for redeeming me, okay, but that person over there, I can't stand them, 
right? Now, that would never happen in Canvas Church, all right? But other places, right? And what David understands here, because here's the thing, when you get planted in some things, here's what happened, is, is we were walking far from God, okay? We got an invitation to God because of Jesus Christ. John 15 says, John 15 says that he is the vine and we are the branches, but we weren't always the branches. No, we were just dead, and he picked us up, and he grafted us into himself, he grafted us into the vine, and so now we're a part of this thing, and now we can be planted in him and in church. Here's the thing. When you take a natural plant and you transplant it from a pot to a garden or the ground or from one pot to another pot, okay, sometimes there's this thing called, I don't know exactly the right term, but it, it shocks the roots, right? It, it, it shocks the environment, and it's not used to that environment. So what they do is they take these two little sticks on either side of the plant, to help prop it up so that plant could begin to thrive and that plant could begin to grow, okay? That's why it's essential, and David understood this, it's essential that we're not just in right standing with God, but we're in right standing with one another, okay? Because people are those posts, those sticks on either side of us, right? Helping us, helping us walk forward in the things of God. Okay, I might have mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I've been, I've been in church a long time now. My dad was a pastor. I grew up in church, and, uh, and so I, I've, been, I've been in it a long time. And one thing I've come to realize is that you and God all by yourself equals weird. It's truth. I'm, I've worked with people, and they're like, I don't need church. Oh, really? No, it's just me and Jesus. I'm like, how's that going for you, Right? It's weird. Why do we need other people? When even, even Jesus recognized this, he didn't send the disciples out one at a time. He sent them out two by two, okay? Why? To hold each other accountable, okay? To make sure there's proper learning and proper understanding. And so, man, when, when, when Jesus, uh, you know, made us righteous and he brings us into community, into the church, he does that. Why? Because then there can be these sticks on either side of us, these people, if you will, on either side of us that help us grow, that call us out when we're wrong, okay? Now, how many of you guys like being called out when you're wrong? Really? Man, I need to hang out with you people more often. My person, I hate it. Like, oh, really, I'm wrong? Let me get out how many ways you've been wrong, right? I think that's the way most of us respond. No? I guess it's just pastors. All right, moving on. Okay? And there's something so powerful. He says, the righteous, the righteous, those that are in right standing with God and, and right standing with one another. And here's what happens to him now. Listen to this word. He uses the word thrive. Thrive. Now, obviously, David, you know, is so excited about church. And he's excited about the community. He's excited about people. And the words that he uses show that excitement. He doesn't just say thrive. He says thrive like a palm tree. Thrive like a palm tree. This tells me that if I am planted in the church, people, man, there's thriving in me. Okay, I can thrive. I can thrive. That word thrive means to prosper, be fortunate, and successful. To grow or develop rigorously. I like that. To grow or develop rigorously. Flourish to bud, sprout, or bloom. Wow. In other words, you understand that when, when, when you were created, you were created for something. 
You were created to thrive. You were created to bloom. You, were, you weren't created just to be a little plant that comes and gets grafted in and, yay, I'm righteous and I'm planted in church. But as you're planted, David says it, you begin to thrive. You begin to bud. You begin to bloom. Then something, what is happening, something is being transformed inside of you. Where does that happen? David says that happens in, in church. Listen, though, he doesn't just say thrive. He says thrive as a date palm. Now, the date palm was interesting that he used that analogy, and it was an analogy, obviously, they understood back then, but you and I would have to study out in order to figure out why did he, why did he choose a date palm to describe the people that are planted in church. Some of you like that word date. Come on. Some of the singles like, date, what? <laughs> Talk to me, pastor. Okay. You, you, you didn't even hear the last part of that. You just heard date, and you're like, yeah. Palm? I get to hold the palm of somebody's hand. What? The date palm is graceful tree. Uh, a matter of fact, if you studied out, what you discover is that, that it never goes brown. It stays green all year long. They could grow to like 90 feet tall, so like as tall as pastor. Come on, somebody, right? They could get super tall. They were green all year long. The leaves, the, the branches could be used for multiple things. Matter of fact, they would take these things because they, they lasted so long and they would use them to make baskets. They would use them for, for rooftops. They'd use them for all sorts of different things. And the, the unique thing about this palm is, is that you could also drink its sap. Cool, right? In other words, David used the date palm to say, you know what? The righteous, when they're planted in church, Man, God can use them to do so much. Like almost like every area of the palm tree, the sap to the wood to the branches, everything about it was useful and purposeful. So when David said, he didn't just say, hey, like you're just going to thrive like, you know, that, that dandelion over there. No, he said, you're going to thrive like a date palm. And everybody knew like, whoa. Like, if we could make that modern technology, that would be like, you're going to thrive like your smartphone. Come on, somebody. Right? So many purposes, right? Can't, you, you lose it for like an hour, and you're like, unless you're Kim, you're freaking out. Right? <laughs> right? So David knew, I, I, I'm going to describe this thing in the way, man, a date palm. And everybody's like, oh, yeah. In other words, man, every area of your life begins to thrive. But he didn't just say thrive. Look at what it says. They thrive and they grow. They grow. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm, not, if I'm not coming to church and growing, I have to begin to ask myself, why am I coming to church? Yes, there's power in community, but the power in community means that I'm growing. Means that, yes, I'm being challenged at times. I'm being stretched at times. And yes, I'm being corrected at times. And I'm being praised at times. I'm being elevated. There's growth taking place. Well, what, what kind of growth, Pastor? Well, first and foremost, spiritual growth. That's what it's about. That's what the community, that's what the church is about. That we're here to help each other understand, man, the, the love of Christ and the grace of God and his mercy and, man, how it endures to all generations and, man, how faithful he is and how good he is and how awesome he is. And let's be honest, sometimes we can forget that. Right? It's easy to remember it on Sunday, but man, sometimes when you hit about Wednesday, and so you need the community, and, and it helps us grow, helps us grow. What's this word grow mean? It means to increase or expand, 
to increase or expand, to increase or expand. And, and can I just be honest with you? I, one of the things I love, um, I mean, this, I, I enjoy preaching, but one of the things I love more than preaching is I love small groups, and I love sitting one-on-one -on -one with people, especially people that are smarter than me, which is like 90% of you, all right? Or not. Okay, fine, you're not. Um, I love sitting there because what happens is, is I learn from people and I glean from people and I grow. One of the great privileges I have is I get to sit with uh, a guy named Larry Osborne who is the pastor of North Coast Church in Vista, California. Every six weeks I get to sit with him with about 14 other pastors. And uh, we've all nicknamed him Yoda. Come on, somebody, you seen Star Wars? Not because he looks like Yoda, all right? But the wisdom that comes from this guy and what's it doing? It's causing me to grow. One of the great things about coming to church and being sitting next to the person you're sitting next to, you don't even know their name yet, get to know somebody in church. It's, it's like the workout machines in the gym, okay? You can stand around them all you want. Ain't nothing going to happen, okay? Man, you get to know the people around you, and man, watch. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so we can sharpen one another, and we begin to grow. We begin to grow. That word grow, once again, means increase, expand. How? Spiritually, relationally, and influentially. Okay? Rooted in church. Growth takes place. I mean, if you want to grow, though, you've got to do something about it. Right? I played, I played basketball in college. And uh, I didn't get to the college-level basketball just because I thought about getting there one day. Just because I dreamt about it. Uh, just because I talked with my friends about it, just because I bought the right shoes, right? No, I got to the college level because I worked at it, because I took the resources that were available to me and applied them to my life, and therefore I got recruited by colleges and I got to play college ball, okay? But it's so funny because I remember having friends in high school that were like, yeah, I'm going to play college ball one day. I'm like, you are? I'm like, yeah. I was like, well, you should try out for the high school team. No, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait until I get to college, you know. And then they're in college, you know, walking around with all the gear on. I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play pro ball one day. I'm like you should try out for the college team, right? Okay. See, we could come, ladies and gentlemen, and we could say one day. I'm going to see this in my life. One day, I'm going to be here spiritually. One day, I'm going to obtain. One day, this is going to happen. But you know what? It's not going to happen unless you take the things around you that God has given you and you begin to apply them to your life and you begin to work them, then you'll see growth. Are you with me? See growth in our life as we take that. So David writes and says, man, they grow. The righteous grow. And he doesn't just say grow. He says like a cedar tree. And not just any cedar tree, a cedar tree, what's it say in your Bible? From Lebanon. Whew. Wow, what's that mean? I don't know until I studied it out. But to them, once again, man, this meant everything. Like, wow. You mean if I'm a part of church, I'm going to be like a, a cedar tree from that place? Oh, man, that's awesome. What, what about the cedar tree was so great it grew? It grew really tall. It would be 30 feet in diameter. Oh, now you're getting it. Like, whoa. They just knew this. I'm going to grow like that. It would get up to 140 feet tall. 
So in other words, David is saying, hey, man, when you get rooted in church, when you're planted in church, guess what? You are going to grow so big and so strong. Matter of fact, this wood was so strong, the nickname was rock wood. No, no, No insects could even eat it. It would never rot. And because it was so hard and it also had a bitter taste, now don't be bitter. Come on, somebody. Okay? The insects wouldn't even touch it. And so in other words, David's saying this, man, you are not only going to grow, but you're going to be really healthy. And, and nothing is going to get in there and destroy what God is doing in your life. Because there's no weapon that is formed against you that can prosper. Because of Christ Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. Come on, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. David was foreshadowing this by talking about a cedar tree. Say, man, this is how strong you're going to be. This is how much you're going to grow. You are going to be huge in a really good way. Okay? You're going to grow. David, man, I can't wait to celebrate the Sabbath. I can't wait to get to church because it's there, man, that growth takes place. It's there that I begin to thrive when I'm planted. When I'm planted. He says planted. Planted. What does that word planted mean? It means to be put or set in the ground for growth. To be put or set in the ground for growth. But there's something also going on here. It's not just I got planted, but listen to what he described. He described the soil first. This soil is going to produce thriving. This soil is going to produce great growth. Man, cedar trees could grow here. Man, date palms could grow here. Man, that's the soil that's going to be there. And if you are planted, if you are firmly rooted in that, man, it is a beautiful thing. My wife just planted a garden last week. Okay. We attempted it last year, and we failed. Okay. And, and if we failed for two reasons, we failed because the soil that I was responsible for, that was my part, wasn't good soil, okay, and because it didn't get enough water, but that was her part, all right, okay. So because the soil wasn't prepared right, and because the garden didn't get enough water, guess what happened? Nothing. Absolutely Nothing. Like, not even, like, like no, 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 nothing. Like, not even, like, it grew a little bit and then died. Like, nothing happened. Like, I think we did buy one already grown plant. We killed it. Do not let me watch your children. Okay? We killed it. Like, nothing. And, of course, I was like, it's the, you didn't water enough. She's looking at me like, it's the soil. Or whatever. It was both. See, in order for something to be planted and to thrive and to grow and to mature, it's got to have good soil. And David says, that's the church. But it's also got to have water. That's the church. When you're planted in a community, in a church, in a local church, man, it's good soil. Man, something is happening there. And guess what? The people around you, they help water. They help water, and they cause that garden, come on, that beautiful thing to grow. What this tells me is that God, listen, when he made you righteous, he didn't let you just be like, okay, go be righteous. Go. No, he said, you're going to be righteous, and I'm going to plant the righteous around other believers. Because he knew you being planted around other believers would cause growth in you. But not only that, it tells me this, that because he didn't just go be righteous, but he actually took me and placed me somewhere, it tells me that I have purpose in his kingdom. Amen? I have purpose in his kingdom. God planted me for purpose. 
God planted me for purpose. When you are rooted in the church, you have significance, you have purpose. I, I love our existence statement here at Canvas Church, that we desire to be an access point for people to discover Jesus Christ. Man, be rooted in God. But then to begin to realize your purpose. So you can't have the second one without having the first one. You've got to know who he is. You've got to know that you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in that setting, then you begin to discover my purpose. And then as I discover my purpose, I realize my purpose will never be fulfilled outside of a community of people. I find purpose. David continues to write on. He says, planted where they planted, in the courts, in the courts, in the courts. Now David begins to bring in like this, this idea of the house of God, literally a physical building. And he says, they're not just planted around the courts. They're not just planted on the pathway to the courts. This is what it says. It says, man, the righteous, they're going to thrive. They're going to grow. Man, they're going to have purpose. They're going to have meaning. And this is what's going to happen. They're going to be planted in the courts. They're going to be in the middle of the thing. They're going to be in the mix of it. They're going to be there. Why is this so important? David wrote this. Because anything on the outside of the courts, if a storm came, if a wind came, if something happened, man, it could destroy that which was on the outside of the courts. But if it's planted on the inside of the courts, there's protection. There's protection. There's protection. I think one of the greatest values, I really mean this, one of the greatest values of being in a local church, such as Canvas, is that when you are going through something, you don't have to go through it alone. How many of you guys have ever gone through something before? Man, only like five of you? Wow, we got a really healthy church. Man, I need to hang out with you people a lot more. We've been through something. I don't know about you, but man, I don't think I would have made it through some of the stuff I walked through had it not been for the church. Man, to call somebody and say, man, this is going on in my life. I mean, what do you do if you don't have that? And let me, you, you, well, I have friends. I call my friends, hey, this is what I'm going through. What do they say? My thoughts are with you. Oh, so you're going to think about what I'm going through? Awesome. Thank you for thinking about me right now. Okay? But how many know just thinking about somebody as they're going through something does nothing? I don't know about you, but when I'm going through something, I like to call somebody, and they're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to pray for you right now. And then guess what? For the next seven days, I'm going to pray for you every single day. Now, even if they don't do it, come on, somebody. They can repent of lying later. Even if they don't do it, what it did for me, I got somebody praying for me. I got somebody on my team. I got somebody on my side. That, 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 that builds me up. That makes me feel like I'm protected. I'm protected. Now, I was walking through some stuff as a pastor uh, not too long ago, and, um, and I got a hold of a, a pastor friend in L.A., big church, Oasis Church, and a super great guy. And man, he called me right back. Not only did he call me right back, he called me every week for like four weeks. And in the in-between time, he texted me. Said, Ben, I want you to know, I'm praying for you. Not only that, he began to send me like links to stuff. Some of it was just funny stuff that made me laugh, you know. Had absolutely no relevance other than that was hilarious. <laughs> you know. But that's nice too. But can I tell you something to know that this pastor of a church of several thousand people took time out of his day to say, Ben, I'm praying for you. Ben, I believe in you. I'm like, man, that brings security, that brings safety, that brings protection. 
That word courts literally means to be enclosed or surrounded with walls. A settlement or a village or a town. It speaks of safety. Not hanging out on the outskirts, but being in the mix. Man, in other words, David's saying this, hey, you know what? You really want to see yourself thrive and grow and be protected? Get in the middle. Get in the mix and watch and see what God does. Let me read it to you as we close today. Not a building. It says, the righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted, rooted, firmly fixed in the house of the Lord. They thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Hallelujah. And God, I just pray right now for those that are here today, Lord, that are just checking out Canvas Church, or those that are maybe coming for a while and still on the outskirts and maybe not in the courts. Lord, I ask right now that you would show them the power and the wisdom of your word that David shared with us this morning out of Psalm 92, that when we get planted, that when we get firmly fixed, hallelujah, God, something beautiful happens. We thrive, we grow, we have purpose, hallelujah. So Lord, I pray right now for every single person, those that are on the ministry team serving in different areas, those that are, uh, are here first-time visitors, those that have come back a second or a third time, Lord, I pray that they would walk away from this moment, walk away from this time. God, just, just wrestling with Psalm 92. Hallelujah. Do me a favor right now. Just close your eyes. That's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Would you begin to ask yourself, am I thriving? Is growth taking place in my life? And then I want you to take it to the next logical conclusion just as the band begins to play. You don't have to stand. You can just sit there as the band plays and they might take us back into a song. But I want you to ask yourself this question, am I thriving, am I growing? And if not, ask yourself the next logical question, am I planted? Am I planted in the house of the Lord?